Well, greetings everyone. If you all want to look over in this direction, uh, welcome to Crown of Messiah Messianic Congregation's first Passover Seder, 2010. And I know that there was a Seder in this church last year, which was just fantastic to hear about, and we're, we're happy to be continuing that tradition this year. So um, I, I, I know most of you, if we haven't met yet, sorry about that, uh, my name is Israel, you can call me Izzy, I will be conducting it tonight, and you know me, I, I love to teach, I love to explain things, but I, wanna, I want the tone of this evening to be a little different than, let's say, how we do our usual Shabbat celebration. Um, the Seder traditionally is a smaller gathering, it's more intimate, uh, it's not actually typical to have them in a big room like a gymnasium. You, you'll generally have a Seder in a home with a family or two. But we like each other so much that we wanted to have it here together. Call us one big family this evening. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, if you have any questions about anything, feel free to just stick up your hand and ask. It's nice to know what we're doing. I'll try and explain as we go. Um, I really want this to be a time where I facilitate... And the Holy Spirit can just lead us through it. And our Savior can speak to each of our hearts and show himself to us. Uh, something cool about the Passover meal is it kind of has these two sides. On the one side, you celebrate and commemorate the exodus from Egypt. That was an awesome event. It proved to the world that there is a God. And it proved very uh, like conclusively who he was, too. And then, of course... There's the element of the Seder that celebrates our Messiah's redemption, how he shed his blood for us, how he's the Passover lamb. So I hope that as we go through this, we can really max out on both of those elements. We're going to have a great time together. So why don't we just start with prayer? I'm going to take a minute to just say thank you. Uh, Father in heaven, Abba, thank you for this evening. You invited each one of us here, and we made it. Thank you for bringing us here. Um, we came here because... Because uh, you've shown yourself to us, uh, you're real in our lives. Thank you so much for what you've done. We pray that you'd show yourself to us this evening. We pray that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would be so real to our hearts, Yeshua. We pray that this would be a very intimate time between you and each one of our souls. And we thank you for it. Thank you for your presence. Amen. So we're going to go through a couple different elements of the Seder, which is the Hebrew word for the order of the Passover meal, before we have the actual meal. So I want to share a scripture with you that's going to set the tone for our Seder here. It's a, a quote from our Savior, Yeshua, Jesus, from the book of Luke. It's, um, and I have these up here. I'll read it. If you want, you can read along. Whatever does it for you. When the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles. He's sitting down with you this evening. And the hour has come. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I supper. For, I tell you, I'll no longer by any means eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That is such a touching personal statement from our Savior. He, he wasn't just saying that to them, he's saying that to each of us this evening. I was, I'm really looking forward to having this with you. And uh, we made it to the appointment. <laughs> I was, something really, have you ever noticed when you read the word, new stuff jumps out at you every year? That happened for me. Usually the Seder is this big event where you get really comfy, you recline. For some people, it's really long, and uh, you get really comfy. But something I noticed is this last year of reading, in Exodus 12, where it talks about Passover, it says, 
This is how you shall eat it. With your belt on your waist, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It's always Passover. And I have good news for you. We're not going to be wolfing down the supper. But, uh, but, but I do want to include an element of that to help it make it more real for us. I think that'll, might be fun, especially for the children. Now, this whole thing about like, your, you know, it says gird up your, uh, your waist and sandals on your feet. And what that means is like, be ready to go. Get all mobilized so you can just leave right after the meal. Cause we're leaving Egypt. So I decided to, uh, to help us get in that mindset, I would give you a couple uh, modern uh, examples of that. Number one, have your passport in your pocket. So I've got here, I've got my Canadian passport, and I'm good to go. You know, before this meal is even done, we're walking out of here, and we're leaving Egypt. I don't know where we're going yet, but we're leaving Egypt. So that's the first one. I have a couple more examples here for you. Number two says... Uh, have your, have your sandals on your feet. So I, I have my hiking boots here. So I'm just going to kick off my dress shoes and I'm wearing my hiking boots tonight for this Passover Seder. I'm dramatic. You'll have, you know, it's tough to track with me on here, okay? So I'm wearing my hiking boots for the Seder just to remind me that, you know, when we meet God and we does, when He does stuff in our lives, sometimes He doesn't let us get too comfy. Sometimes He gives us missions to go on. Sometimes He, he gives us some action. So I'm going to wear my hiking boots to remember that. And then finally, I got my backpack here. So I can, uh, we're going to be hiking off into the desert. And I need to carry not only all my stuff, but I need to carry Genevieve's stuff and Tears' stuff also. So we've got a big diaper bag in there, and we've got a bunch of other things like that. I really did. I, I took about half an hour today, and I thought, you know, if I was going to go out into the desert or something, what would I take with myself? So I, I went and I put some things into my backpack. And... If you know Genevieve and me, you know that we love hiking. We we hiked the Israel Trail, which is a 600-mile trail from the north to the south of Israel. Last year, around this time, took us five weeks. We didn't do the whole thing because she was pregnant, but we did as much as we could. So these were this was like this was our daily. Uh, this was my daily companion. Sometimes I didn't like it very much either, but anyway. And then finally, well, we're going to be out in the desert, and it's going to be hot some days, so. Uh, I have one more thing here. Oh, there it is. So I thought, you know, I better bring a good hat. So I got my desert hat for the Exodus. How's that look? All right, so we're going to... I'm not going to wear these the whole time, by the way, but I wanted to wear them for the first part just so we can really get into it together. All right, so let's continue here with our uh, our Seder. If you ever see me like playing with a little remote control, it's not because I'm a TV addict and I'm just using this like my nicotine patch or whatever. It's because I need to operate the overhead. Huh? Oh, you know what? Hiking staffs are really useful, I discovered in Israel, but I don't have one. Yeah. What? The broom. <laughs> nice. Okay. So you guys, look, you guys realize though, there's a, there's a, there's an application in here, isn't it? When, when Messiah saves us, sometimes we, he calls us into action. He doesn't let us get too comfy. That's part of the fun, if you ask me. Okay, I'm gonna read a scripture here that sets the context. Maybe some of you are wondering, why are we here? Why am I here? Really? I mean, where did this whole Passover thing come from? So we're gonna read a scripture about this. I'll read it, and you can read along with me to whatever degree you want to. 
It says, and this is from Exodus chapter 12, you can pull out your Bible if you want, or you can read along. The children of Israel traveled from Ramses to Sukkot, about 600,000 on foot who were men, besides children. A mixed multitude went up also with them, with flocks, herds, and very much livestock. They baked unleavened cakes from the dough, which they brought out of Egypt. It wasn't leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt, and couldn't wait. Neither had they prepared for themselves any food. Now the time that the children of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. So, we, I didn't bring any animals today as props, I hope that's okay. It says that they baked unleavened cakes. That's this bread that we're going to be having. The Hebrew there says matzah. Matzah means unleavened cakes. So that's going to be fun. It happened at the end of 430 years, even the same day it happened, that all the armies of Yahweh, Yahweh is God's, God's name, like in the Bible where it says the Lord, it says Yahweh in Hebrew. Alright, so that's who we're talking about there. Went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be observed to Yahweh for bringing them out from the land of Egypt. Wow! It's a night to be observed for him, and here we are on the Passover night. Isn't this cool? This night is for Yahweh to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. It happened the same day that Yahweh brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their armies. I think it's cool how we're part of God's army. And it's, I think it's also cool how it says it's for the people of Israel. And it doesn't matter whether we're ethnic Jews or we're grafted in through faith. This is part of your heritage. This is something that Jesus celebrated his whole life, which is wonderful. Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, Yahweh brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. This day you go out in the month Aviv. Can anyone tell me what month of the year it is on the biblical calendar? It's the month Aviv. Okay, so we're on, we're on track here. It shall be when Yahweh will bring you into the land of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and in the seventh day shall be a feast to Yahweh. So that's something that we're going to be doing too in our congregation. Um, from Thursday to next Wednesday, we're going to be eating a whole lot of that matzah stuff. And uh, we already went through our houses and we cleaned out all the leaven, and it was a fun time. And the last page of scripture here is this one. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen with you. Neither shall yeast be seen with you in all your borders. You shall tell your son in that day, saying, It's because of that which Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. It'll be a sign to you on your hand and for a memorial between your eyes that the Torah, the law, of Yahweh may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand Yahweh has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ritual in its season from year to year. And everybody said, Amen. So I love that. The whole reason for Passover is to get us talking about what God has done in history, what God did for each of us. And the traditional Jewish commentary says, it says that you are to say, it's because of what he did for me. So we can, each one of us, personally regard ourselves as if he brought us out of Egypt, because he's brought us out of a spiritual Egypt that's a lot more brutal than even the physical one. Okay. So we are going to let Genevieve come up and light the two candles. 
It's the traditional way of just acknowledging a special evening, kind of like how we have candlelit dinners. So I'll let you do that, Genevieve. Is it okay if I take off my backpack now? Okay, I'll keep it on hand so when we need to go I can grab it. But right. Yeah, sure. That's good, like that. Go from the side, that's good. More people can see. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has given us Yeshua the Messiah and commanded us to be a light into the world. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Told you told me you have to flick it multiple times. Oh, um, hold down the little trigger too, probably. There you go. Nice. Okay. Oh, yeah. Are there calendars? Uh, the candles on other tables? Okay, great. So you're all welcome to just uh, light up the tea lights on your table. Um, there's uh, another lighter there. So uh, there's a traditional Jewish blessing that's said for special occasions like this. So I'll sing it. If you know the Hebrew, sing along with me, and then we'll say it in English together. And the reason I love this is because it's also a picture of what God does for us through his Messiah, how he gives us life, he sustains us, and he he brings us through. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Shehechianu, v'yikimanu, v'higianu, l'azman hazeh. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who's given us life, has sustained us, and has brought us to this season. Amen. Okay, now this is, this is the fun part. I have something very bad here. I have some chunks of 
unleavened bread. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry, leavened bread. Ununleavened bread. <laughs> now, can anyone tell me what, un- what, what leavened bread is a picture of in the Bible? Sin. Hmm, that's interesting. I can see how leaven makes the dough get all puffy. And sometimes when we have pride in our lives, it can give us swelled heads, can't it? Maybe that's a picture of that. We get all puffy inside and stuff, and we don't want to um, do what the Father said or whatever. So anyway, this uh, when we you know we go through our homes and we clean out all the puffy bread that is a picture of sin, it's a picture of what God wants each of us to do, to look at our lives and be like, okay, God, you know, what is it in my life that you want to get out of me? What is it that you want to clean up? And then we let him do that, and we cooperate with him. So this is what we're going to do. We are going to... How many people, how many kids do I have here? Okay, we're all gonna, we're all gonna leave the room. And we're gonna let the adults hide some of these pieces of bread around the room. And then we're gonna come back in and we're gonna find them. And we're gonna get rid of them. Alright? So I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let all y'all come and hide some of these pieces. Um, so, and then, and then all of us are gonna go to the room. And we'll let you call us in just a minute when you're ready. So if... I'll let you hand them around. And count how many there are so we make sure we find them after, too. I just remembered another fun part. We don't want to touch the chunks of bread because they're so yucky. So we're going to use these little brooms to sweep them up instead. So you can take a little broom and a little sweep, a little dust pan. I think they just fit right in there. Yeah. They're just perfect. <laughs> Alright. Well, see, we're going to go get those little chunks of bread, but they're so yucky, we don't even want to touch them. So we're going to use the little broom to go and sweep it up when we find a piece so that we don't have to touch it. Yeah. Bread isn't really yucky. Just what it's a picture of. And, um, are the Capistinci pea girls somewhere around here too? Over there, over there. Hey, we have a couple of, here's a broom and dustpan. So that you don't have to touch any of the yucky bread. There. It's not really yucky. We're just pretending. What? Okay, come here, come here everyone. Okay, come here. Okay guys. You know what? We don't have any more. Okay, so we're all going to go in there now, and we're going to look around for the pieces of bread. And, and, and we're, gonna, we're going to pretend they're yaki. They're not really yaki, but we'll pretend, so we don't want to touch them. So when you find one, sweep it up into the dustpan, okay? And what do we do with it? And then we'll bring them, all, bring them all to me, and we'll put them in the garbage bag, and we'll throw them in the garbage. There you go. Okay, did you hear that? Uh-huh. Twelve pieces, okay. Oh, you'll have to, you know what, once one of your sisters finds a piece, then she, she can, um, you can, she can give it to you, okay? Oh, you got one! Sweep it up! And then come and dump it in the garbage can! Yeah, we're gonna dump them all in here so we can count. Yeah? Oh, there's another one. Let's go find some more. Yeah. Have you found any chunks of bread yet, Alex? 
Let's go find one, buddy. Hmm. We have three so far. Well, they're still looking once they're... Oh. oh, there's another one. Okay, keep going. Can't find him. Oh, yeah, there you go. Maybe there's one on the table, yeah. Whoa. Oh, good job. Case, okay, sweep it up under there. Sweep it up and then dump it in the bag. Oh, you don't want to touch it because it's yucky, remember? Well, we're pretending. Okay. <laughs> because, because they're a picture of bad stuff. So we're going to throw it away like it's a picture of throwing away bad stuff in our lives. Only one more left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah. Whoa, and there's the last one. Good job. I think we should give him a round of applause for that. Okay. So we're going to have to... Good job, everyone. Oh, thank you. Let's take all of these. Yeah. I hope you had fun with it anyways. Good. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, Paul said something interesting about that. Uh, Paul said, first the natural, then the spiritual. And I think that's kind of like a, a principle in the universe. Sometimes when the Father wants to teach us a lesson, He will give us an object lesson. He'll give us something like this, and as we do it, He says, see, this is a picture of what I'm doing in your life in a deeper way. I, lo I love that. I'm the kind of guy who loves object lessons and stuff. So that's fun. Uh, the next thing we're going to do, and this kind of, do this dovetails with getting rid of that yucky, un the, that yucky leaven bread. I only, I'm only used to saying unleavened bread. I have to get in this thing of saying leaven bread when I'm talking about leaven. But, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have, uh, we have a pitcher of water and a little bowl and a towel at each table. And I'm going to play a song here. And while the song is playing, you can just take a minute to run some water over your hands and let that just be a prayer that the Father will, will cleanse you deeply with His Spirit in whatever ways He wants to. Um, the, the scripture associated with that, of course, is Psalm 24, where it says, Who may ascend to Yahweh's hill? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who hasn't lifted up his soul to falsehood and hasn't sworn deceitfully. So I'll play a song here and you can just take a minute to do that around your table. Yeah, just around each table. What? Whatever, however you want to.
I do it at this table instead of doing it all by myself. Do you want to go this way? Is everyone else done yet? No. I'll, I'll let you keep going. And I'll, I'll do it. Same for you? I already washed my hands, but I can do it again. Okay. Oh, it's even warm water. That's nice, eh? Great. Thank you. Wow. Double fun. Yeah. All right. Oh. You'll want that. There you go. I'd like to just take a moment. I feel like praying right now. I just want to take a moment to do that if you'll all join me. Uh, yeah, Father, uh, 
Thank you for these pictures you give us, like, you know, cleaning unleavened bread, I mean, cleaning leavened bread out of our houses and washing our hands. And thank you for other pictures of what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to do. And we just want to say a really big yes to you to continue doing the stuff in our hearts that you want to do, Father. We want to, we really want to burn with your fire and, uh, have that zeal for the honor of your name and uh, be deeply clean, like clean of selfishness and stuff. We just continue to invite you to do that in our lives. Thank you so much, Father. Amen. So uh, I'll share with you an interesting historical tidbit. In Egypt, they discovered a parchment. And this parchment was a Haggadah, an ancient Haggadah. Can anyone tell me what that is? Yeah, it's like how you do the Seder service for Passover. And it was actually written from almost 2,000 years ago. And interestingly enough, it was almost exactly identical to what Jewish people do today. So the cool thing about that is as we're going through these things, we know that this is exactly what our Savior Yeshua, our Savior Jesus did every year of his life. When he was a little boy, these are the things he did. I don't know about you, but that gives me just a real sense of closeness with him. I feel like this historical link between myself and the early believers. And uh, one of the elements of a traditional Jewish Seder is the four cups, the famous four cups. And we're going to be pouring ourselves four cups. And it's based on this passage of Scripture here, again, from Exodus chapter 6. And uh, you'll notice that I underlined certain I will promises. Each cup is based on one of these I will promises. So let's read this, this scripture together that will set the tone for these four cups that we'll be going through together. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, tell the children of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am Yahweh, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage. I am Yahweh. Amen. And I really believe that as we do this Seder, it's more than just a commemoration of the past. It's a prayer of intercession for the body of Christ here in Prince Albert, for God's people and for everybody. Just that, that what he did in this passage, he'll do for everybody in the city too. In terms of bringing people out from the burdens of depression and, and fear and whatever might be plaguing them, redeeming people, taking them for himself. This, this is a prayer in my heart for the people in Prince Albert, in our province. So as we go through this Seder, remember, it's more than just looking at the past. It's a, it's a prayer also. So the first cup is going to be called the cup of uh, Kiddush. It's a Hebrew word for like sanctifying something. Um, when God sanctifies us, he brings us out of whatever it is we were in, and he brings us to himself. He brings us into something new. And that's what this cup is a picture of. So if you all want to pour yourself a cup, um, let's see, we can we can refill these pitchers if we need to. Is that correct? Do we have more grape juice? 
Okay, so you can pour yourself that cup. Okay, so uh, you, you remember wherever it says that Messiah took the cup and he would do something. It says he blessed. And I think it's really cool that that very same blessing that he said 2,000 years ago is the one that Jewish people say today. And it's the one that we're going to do for this cup. And then we'll drink it together to celebrate how the Father has brought us out of spiritual Egypt, out from under the thumb of Satan. So let's sing this together. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Prihagafen Amen Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. L'chaim, to life. Now we're going to pour another cup, so you can all make the rounds with the pitcher. This second cup is going to be for the story, the storytelling. In Hebrew, it's called the Magid. Can everybody say Magid? Okay, did everybody get their cup poured? Okay, good. So we're not going to be... Uh... Now, we had mentioned how this one is called the cup of the Magid. And that means telling the story. So, I have some good news for you. I'm not going to tell the whole story of the Exodus word for word. Because six chapters later, I think we'd all be really hungry, especially if any of us are hypoglycemic or anything, we might be bouncing off the walls. What we're going to do is I'm just going to let you tell me a couple things that happened from the Exodus, just in a sentence or two, any of you. What's some of the story? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's part of it. Killed, right? Ten Commandments. Plunder the Egyptians, yeah. Hey, blood on the doorposts. Eating roasted lamb. Hey, we're going to do that. Bitter herbs, yep. That's right. Basically, the story is God sent Moses to bring the people out of Egypt, and Moses brought the people out of Egypt. So let's eat. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if any of you have heard that, but the, the traditional Jewish liturgy for every feast is they tried to kill us, God saved us, let's eat. That's the short form of the liturgy. So, <laughs> But uh, what we are going to do is we're going to look at each of the plagues that happened to the Egyptians. Oh, actually, we're not going to do that just yet. We're going to tell a couple other things. Okay. See this passage here? It's really special. See, did you notice that some people don't even believe in God? Some people think God kind of started the universe going like a watch, and then he just kind of took his hands off it and took a break, you know? But something I love about the God of the Bible is he's really personal. He actually cares about people. And we are going to do a special little thing with this, these greens and with this dangerous little bowl of really salty water. And it's a reminder of something. It's a reminder of this passage. Why don't you read it with me? It says, It happened in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed because of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. God heard their groaning. 
And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the children of Israel, and God was concerned about them. Isn't that awesome? So, uh, the Egyptians did some really brutal things to the Israelites. We're not going to go into detail. But the Israelites, they, they did a lot of crying when they were in Egypt. Because the Egyptians were really mean to them. And so to remember the really hard time that the people of Israel had in Egypt, we take some of these, these greens and we dip it in the salty water and we eat it. And it kind of makes your face pucker up and it's a reminder of just how bad it was in Egypt. And as you do that, maybe you can think of something in your own life that was a particularly negative experience, maybe an addiction, maybe a black time emotionally for you. And you can remember how you were in Egypt, how maybe Satan had you under his control somehow. And thankfully, that's not the end of the story. So we'll all... Oh, man. That's pretty salty, all right. Did everybody get a little face pucker there? Okay, good. And remember as we go through this, think about the deeper meaning. Hopefully that's what it's all about. Personal experience. Uh, oh, I love this next part. This is really cool. Actually, I can put that scripture up. I have here a piece of unleavened bread, a piece of matzah. And it's very interesting because it has holes in it. I'm going to grab one with lots of holes in it. This piece has lots of holes in it. Does everyone have matzah on their table? I think you do. Why don't you take off the cover and have a look at it. Don't eat any yet, but have a look at the matzah. You'll see that it has holes in it. It's pierced matzah. And you'll also see that it has stripes on it. It's striped matzah like it was whipped or something. Or like the plowman plowed furrows in its back. And uh, it also has little brown spots all over it like it's bruised. Isn't that interesting? The matzah is pierced. The matzah was whipped. The matzah was bruised. Isn't it interesting that Yeshua said that he's the bread of life? Isn't it interesting that he said, take this bread and do this to remember me? Isn't it interesting what a graphic picture of our Savior's sufferings the piece of matzah is? And uh, the, the context for this little element, of course, is what uh, Paul wrote in Corinthians, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Yeshua, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he would bro- given thanks, he broke it. So, Here's something really puzzling. In the Jewish tradition, you take three pieces of matzah, like that, and you put them in an envelope, a cloth envelope. So we're going we're gonna to do that here. Put the first one in. And we'll put the third one in. And we do something different with the middle matzah. We do something different with the second one. Did you notice it says that Yeshua took bread and he broke it? 
with the middle of the three matzah, we break it. And then we only put half into the bag. And this is what Orthodox Jews do. And a lot of them don't even know why they do it. Some people suspect that they actually got this tradition from the early disciples of Yeshua. This piece of broken matzah is called the afikomen. Can everybody say afikomen? It means he who comes later. That which comes later. They say, oh yeah, that just, it just means dessert. This is the dessert piece. But as believers in Messiah, we know who the second of this triune uh, God that we have, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we know who he is, and we know who this is a picture of. So what we do with this is we hide it, and we're going to let it appear later. It's interesting. This second piece that represents Messiah's broken body, it goes into hiding. It's hidden away, and then it comes out later. It has its second coming. So I guess we'll just hide this somewhere. Hmm. How about this? Can we let the... Hmm. I'm going to hide it somewhere. That's what I'm going to do, actually. And then, and then you know what we're going to do, kids? We're going to go find it later, and that's going to be fun. So I'm just going to put it here, and later I'm going to go and hide it. What's that? Mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so cool, Louis. So that's the afikomen, and we're going to get to enjoy those pieces of matzah we looked at in just a moment. Okay, so there's this like classic song in the seder. Usually, you have the littlest child in the whole seder do it, but you know what? We're all kind of like little kids because. This is probably new for most of us. It's like we're all learning. So I think we could sing it together. What do you think? Okay. So it's this little, it's this little question. What's the difference between this night and all the other nights? And there's a tune to it. So I thought we could sing it together. It goes, Manishtana halayla hazemikol halaylot. Okay, let's, you guys picked it up really fast. Let's sing it all together now that we are all really familiar. And actually, we can sing the English too. What is the difference between this night and all the other nights? What is the difference between this night and all the other nights? Well, since you asked, let me tell you. <laughs> but before I do that, I want to point something out here. Um, Halila Hazat. That's Hebrew for this night. It literally says the night the this, because that's how you say it in Hebrew. But uh, that's that's like the big Passover night phrase. Halayla hazeh, this night. And uh, that's used in the Exodus also. Let's read this together. 
the four things that make this night different. On all other nights, we eat leavened bread. But tonight, we only eat unleavened bread. Matzah. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. But tonight, we only eat bitter herbs. Maror. That's the horseradish that we're going to be sinking our teeth into shortly. So get yourself emotionally psyched for that. On all other nights, we don't dip our food even once. But tonight, we dip it twice. Did you notice we were dipping the, uh, the parsley? Yes, in the salt water. That's what that's all about. I don't know. Do some of you dip your food on other nights too? Maybe you do. Hmm. And finally, on all other nights, we sit up at the table. But tonight, we recline. Now this is a little hard to do because we don't live in a Middle Eastern culture where we can all kick back. But you know, try for just a moment. Try kind of lean against the table just to get in the, get in the mood of that. Get a little bit comfy. <clears throat> now here's the interesting thing. And uh, this is the, the other historical evidence that the way the, the, the Seder is done is very ancient. And that it was even done this way in Yeshua's time. It wasn't always, this last statement wasn't always the original statement. Originally it was, on all other nights we eat all kinds of meat, but tonight we only eat roasted meat. And of course that would be the Passover lamb that was roasted at the temple. So when the temple was destroyed, it was a little harder to say that. So they changed it and they said, well, we lean on the table instead. So, interesting historical fact for you. Okay, this is a cool little thing. If you're a child, then I want you to listen for this part. It says in the Passover that there are four kinds of children. Each one of them asks something different. The first one is the wise son, the chacham. Can, can everybody say chacham? That means wise. Chacham. You kind of, kind of spit to say that one. It's fun. And this is what the wise son asks. What is the meaning of all these testimonies, laws, and judgments that Yahweh our God commanded you? So you'll see that the wise son says, He's not just your God, Dad. He's my God too. He's our God, Dad. That's the first thing the wise son says. The second thing is he doesn't just say, You know, uh, why do we do this stuff? He says, what does it mean? What's the deeper meaning? And hopefully the father is going to give each of us a wise heart tonight so we can be like that wise son to be like, what's the deeper meaning behind all this stuff? <laughs> so that's the wise son. The wicked son, the rasha, he says, ha, of what purpose is this work to you? So we'll notice two things about the wicked son. Firstly, he, does, he, uh, he says, why are you doing that? As if, you know, he's kind of scorning it, right? He's kind of poo-pooing it or something. And the second thing is he says, you meaning not me. So he's saying, yeah, dad, that's your thing. Sure isn't mine. And uh, in Jewish tradition, it says, this is what you're supposed to tell the wicked son. It's because of what Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. And that's kind of like saying, all right, son, you know what? You just said it's me and yeah, it's me. And what that means is, you know what? If you were in Egypt... You wouldn't have been one of those people that came out because of your bad attitude. The third one is the, the simple son, the Tom. Can we all say Tom? And he, he just says, what's this? What's this? Yeah. And uh, for, for the simple son, you just tell him what it says in, in Exodus. With the powerful hand, Yahweh took us out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
So you just give them a simple answer. And then finally, we have the son who doesn't know to ask. The Enoyo daily shul. And maybe he's really young, or maybe he's just, for whatever reason, he doesn't know to ask. So as you can see, he's not asking anything there, is he? There's a big blank spot. And uh, for him, you just say, it's because of what Yahweh did for me when I came out of Egypt. So that's a creative rendering of the different verses where the children are asking in different ways and the different things that you can, ways that you can say to a child. And something I appreciate about that is there are times when I don't know what to ask God. I mean, really, sometimes we don't even know what it is that we don't know. And the great thing is he's a loving father who steps into our life and explains things anyway. Okay, so now we're going to go through the ten plagues just to sum up the story. This part is really fun. Uh, hopefully you all have some grape juice in your cup of the Magid. This part's really fun. For each one of the plagues, we're going to take our fingers and children only do this tonight. This is a very special night. How is this night different than all other nights? Tonight we dip our fingers in our cups and we spatter it on our plates. But all other nights we don't do that. So... Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to name each of the plagues and then we're going to spatter the grape juice on the on the on our plate, okay? And we're going to we're going to say each one of the plagues three times just to really get into it. Okay? So dip your finger in your glass and say blood, blood, blood. Next is frogs. Frogs, frogs, frogs. <laughs> the next is flies. Flies, flies, flies. Wild beasts, wild beasts, wild beasts, wild beasts. Epidemic, epidemic, epidemic. There's an epidemic on the cattle. Boils, boils, boils. Hail, hail, hail. Locust, locust, locust. Darkness, darkness, darkness. <laughs> death, death, death. Kind of scary, hey? <laughs> but here's, here's the good news though. How many of us in this room have sinned sometime in our past? Yes. How many of you know the wages of sin is death? Death! Death! <laughs> like we were all just shouting. The wages of sin is all of these horrible things. In fact, when a whole country sins a lot, all of this awful stuff happens, doesn't it? But here's the thing. We have a Messiah whose blood was shed so that our slates could be wiped clean. So everybody take your napkin and wipe, wipe it off of your plate now. And it's a picture of what Yeshua does in our lives. How he takes the judgment and he saves us. Okay, and then show, show and then show everyone your plate. After you have a clean plate, that's a picture of you after you have received Messiah's atonement. It's awesome. <laughs> All right.
so we can drink the cup of the Magidno. So let's all do that together. To life. Okay. So for thousands of years, this is what has been said for the matzah. Hey everybody, this is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever's hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever's needy, let him come and celebrate Passover. Now we are here, next year, may we be in the land of Israel. Now we are slaves, next year may we be free men. Now we're not actually slaves, so it's difficult to say that, but we could say, now we are locked in physical mortal bodies, next year we pray the Messiah will come and give us those immortal bodies. How about that? He's going to set the creation free from its bondage to the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. So that's an example of how that can apply to us. Okay, so if you all want to take your unleavened bread, what's that, Genevieve? Yeah, everybody, take a, take a chunk of unleavened bread. And don't eat it just yet, but get yourself your chunk of unleavened bread. Okay, everybody have some bread? Show me your, show me your matzah. Oh, that's a cool sight. Alright. Everett's hungry. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so here's the cool thing. We're not just doing this for the experience or on a whim. The cool thing is we're doing it because our Messiah did it and we're doing it because God said to. So in the Jewish way, before you do something God said, you kind of take a moment to thank Him for saving you, thank, thank Him for inspiring you to do the stuff that He said, and this is the way of, this is the way of saying it. Um, I'll just make a little note here. It talks about, it says, who has sanctified us with His commandments. Now we know that we're sanctified through the blood of Messiah, don't we? We are sanctified through His atonement and through the Holy Spirit in our lives. However, God, it also says that we are sanctified through His truth, and His Word is truth. So there is an element of sanctification that plays out on a physical level when we do the stuff God said, um, when we're obedient to Him. And that's why I think we can pray this uh, with a full understanding. So let's just say that together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us concerning the eating of unleavened bread. Amen. Eat up. All right. So we're going to... uh, The other thing that it says to eat along with the matzah is... Maror, the bitter herbs, dum dum dum. How many of you actually here actually like eating horseradish on a regular basis? Ah, okay, good. Well, then you're gonna have a lot of fun with this one. We better make sure you pile even more on so you have a, at least a bit of a hard experience. So, if you all want to take another piece of matzah, and you can spread the horseradish on the matzah. And don't eat it just yet. Wait for everybody and then we'll eat it together. Does everybody have a piece? Are we all amply supplied? Alright, so let's say the bracha. Let's say the blessing together. And then we're going to eat this stuff. There we are. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu, Melech HaOlam, Asher Kidshanu, B'mitzvotav, V'tzivanu, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us concerning the eating of maror, bitter herbs. 
Who bought the horseradish? This is some good stuff. It's burning my nose. Oh, Oh, right on. All right. We'll have to have a little... No. We'll have to have a little horseradish eating session later. We'll just like, whoever likes horseradish, we'll just sit down and chug the whole, whatever's left of it. What do you think? Yeah, okay, good. We're, we're on. Alright. So, uh, now to, to comfort us after that experience, we are going to have some of the, it's called haroset. I don't know what the English word is. It's like something that's nice and tasty. What? Yeah. So what you, what, what we'll want to do here, um, how many, who here knows who Hillel was? Anybody know who Hillel was? Hillel, yes, that's right. Hillel was a rabbi. Hillel was a famous teacher who lived one generation before Yeshua. And he had a big yeshiva, like a big learning academy in Jerusalem. And when it says that Yeshua, when he was a boy, was in the temple talking with the teachers and asking questions, he was probably engaged in dialogue with several of them, including Hillel. And Hillel was interesting. One of the things he said is, what's hateful to you, don't do to others. Yeshua came a generation later and put a new spin on that. He said, don't just do it, don't just refrain from doing to others what's hateful to you, do to others as you would have them do to you. So that's kind of a grid for Halal. Halal introduced an interesting custom, though. Um, in num- Numbers 9-11, it talks about eating these things with each other. So in order to make sure that we eat them, all these elements with each other, we make what's called a Halal sandwich. Everybody say a Halal sandwich. So you, so you break your matz into two pieces, whatever size you want, and you can put the harosid in there, and a little bit of the, uh, the horseradish also. And you can mix them together, and then eat your Halal sandwich. Oh, man. I don't know about you, but that horseradish is rocking my world. Man, I put too much in my halal sandwich. Okay, so did everybody get a good a good bite of the halal, your halal sandwich? We're going to pray one traditional prayer before uh, supper, and then we're going to have our supper together. And uh, I actually composed a little ending for it that makes it rather messianic. So you can you can pray it with me and tell me what you think. It's a prayer acknowledging the awesomeness of the fact that God brought his people out of Egypt exactly 430 years to the day after they went down. Here's the scripture mentioning that. And here's the prayer. You can pray this with me. Praises to him who keeps his promise to Israel. Praises to him for the Holy One. Blessed is he. Calculated the end of the bondage in order to do as he said to our father Abraham at the covenant between the parts. Know with certainty that your descendants will be foreigners in a country that's not theirs. They will serve them and be impressed for 400 years, but I will judge the nation they serve, and afterwards they will leave with much wealth. And here's my adaptation. Praises to him who keeps his promise to Israel. Praises to him. For the father, blessed is he, knows both the day and the hour of his son's return. And at the appointed time, he will send his Messiah in power and glory 
to take his bride to himself, that she might be with him forever. Maranatha, come soon, Master Yeshua. Amen. All right. So that concludes the first half of our Seder. We'll have supper together, and then we'll have a short section at the end where we, the Afikoman makes its second coming, and uh, where we have that in memory of our uh, Savior's uh, death and uh, resurrection, etc. So the reason I ask that is because there's this verse in Deuteronomy that says, And you'll eat, and be satisfied, and bless the Lord your God for the good land He gave you. So, you know, if we, if we come from a Christian tradition, we always say grace before the meal. But if you come from a Jewish tradition, you bless God before you eat, keep it nice and short, because you're hungry, and then once you're full, and you have a little more time on your hands, then you kind of say a longer blessing. And actually, uh, and that's called grace after meals, Birkat Hamazon. And we're not going to do the long version of uh, grace after meals, because it takes five to ten minutes. It's actually quite long. And I'm not sure if you wanted to sing with me in Hebrew for five to ten minutes. So uh, Genevieve and I just, we innovated a shortened form that just goes like this, as you can see. And uh, let's sing through the Hebrew twice so we all kind of get a feel for it, and then we'll say it in English. And this is just our way of thanking the Father for the great meal we had. <clears throat> so we'll sing it through together twice. Baruch Eloheinu Melech HaOlam all Hamazon Vilha Aretatova. Amen. Alright, now that you all know it, let's sing it together. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam. All Hamazon Vilha Aretatova. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, for the food and for the good land. Amen. Thank you, Father. And thanks to each of you who brought food also. It's fantastic. Wow. I'm still busy chewing and finishing my last piece of lamb here. All right. So, does anybody remember that we took the three pieces of matzah, put them in the bag, and the middle one that represents God's Son, Yeshua, we broke. And we hid half of it. And can anyone remember what the name of that second piece is called? The Afikoman, that's right. And what does Afikoman mean? What's that? Yes, it's coming again, that's correct. That which comes after. So, we have concealed the Afikoman, and I'm wondering if all of you kids want to come over here, and let's, let's try and find it together. So if you all want to, you can all get up. And uh, I have concealed the Afikoman somewhere in the room. And uh, this is actually a little, this is going to be a little hard, because there's chunks of matzah all over the tables. So I'll give you a little hint, okay? It's not on a table. The afikoman isn't on a table. And we're going to look for the afikoman for that half piece of matzah. It's like half a piece of matzah, like this, broken in half. But I'm going to give you a hint. It's wrapped in a cloth. Alright. So you can try to find it. 
Oh, it's not on a table, though. Wow. They're good at this. Let's go swipe the paper in case it's behind there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if I can tell all of you, but I'll tell one of you. You have to choose which of you, you will be the, the one that will make me beep. Okay, you're gonna be, you're gonna, okay, so listen, I'm go over there, go over there, and I will beep, and the closer you get to it, the faster I'll beep, okay? Beep, 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 beep. I have to practice my beeping, don't I? Me too, but I wasn't too sure. Yeah? I thought you meant like one of those white blocks. No, I tricked you. Thank you. Good job, girls. Okay, so this is the special piece that represents Messiah. Um, usually in a Seder, you'll just have like a family or two, and you'll break this and eat it together. <laughs> but we're a little bit, we're a big family tonight, aren't we? So I'm wondering logistically how we're going to do that. Tell you what, maybe we'll just take a couple, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll take the other ones from here, and we'll break all of these up. I'm innovating here. I hope no one is going to get their feathers ruffled that I'm, I'm not doing it according to tradition. Okay, so what we'll do, this is the special one, like I said, that represents uh, the body of our Lord. So I will just pass this around and make sure you all get a piece and, uh, and then don't eat it right away. And uh, let's see, you two tables can share this one. You guys can share that one. And this one. Okay, this one's the special one. It does look like all the others, though, doesn't it? (laughs) And then you guys can share this one. And, oh, this will be perfect. What? Okay, great. I'll break myself off a piece, and then I'll let you all break, break it up. Here you go. Yeah. No, not yet. Don't eat it yet. So, uh, you know how, um, if you come from a Christian tradition, communion is very special, isn't it? Well, here's something interesting. In the Jewish tradition, this is our communion. And we do this once a year. So hopefully that gives you kind of an understanding of just how special this is to me. This is the one time every year where I commemorate the death of my master. And, uh, it's very, it's, um, yeah, it's a unique time. So, if you just want to hold on to that now, we will, I'll, I'll read this verse and you can read it along with me. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that our master Yeshua, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in memory of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in memory of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Master's death 
until he comes. Amen. And you'll notice that, that, that it says he took it after supper. That's what the book of Luke also says. So out of the four cups and the Seder, there's a specific one that points to Messiah. And it is the third cup, the cup that we have after supper. So if you want to take a moment, you can take your pitcher and uh, pour yourself a cup. And if you need more grape juice, we can accommodate that. This cup is called the cup of redemption. Okay, so if we've all poured, we can read this scripture together from the book of Matthew. As they were eating, Yeshua took bread, blessed, and broke it. He gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, and gave to them, saying, All of you, drink it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the remission of sins. But I tell you that I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Isn't that interesting that in his Father's kingdom we will be drinking that Passover cup again? And until then, why don't we uh, take our... Yeah, we'll take the piece of the afikoman that we all have and we can eat that in memory of our Master's body that was broken for us. And when you're done, we can also partake of the cup together and commemorate not only life in Messiah Lachaim, but also his death, through which we have received forgiveness of our sins. So I want to take a minute here to read through Isaiah 53 together as a contemplative passage that really graphically illustrates this commemoration. And I'll read it and just pause for a moment at the end of each verse. You can either read it along with me or you can just sit and think about it. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? For he grew up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no good looks or majesty. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering and acquainted with disease. He was despised as one from whom men hide their face, and we didn't respect him. Surely he has borne our sickness and carried our suffering, yet we considered him plagued, struck by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought our peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, everyone has turned to his own way, and Yahweh has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, yet when he was afflicted he didn't open his mouth. As a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep that before its shears is mute, so he didn't open his mouth. He was taken away by oppression and judgment. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living and stricken for the disobedience of my people? They made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He has caused him to suffer. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall pleasure in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, 
He will see the light and be satisfied. My righteous servant will justify many by the knowledge of himself, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Taken away, I think we did this one already. Yeah, we did this one. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's the end of it, I think. Yes, made intercession for the transgressors. Oh, man. So, uh, the second part of our meditation that I wanted to read after this is John 17. This is probably the most, this probably has the most intimate tone in the whole Brit Chadashah, the whole New Testament. It's like the closest glimpse that you can see of the fellowship between Yeshua and the Father. And the beautiful thing is that it's a prayer for you. It's a prayer for me. It's a prayer for the body of Messiah and Prince Albert. So I wanted to pray this because this is the prayer that Yeshua prayed on Halayla Hazet on, on this very night. So we can uh, meditate through this together also. Yeshua said these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh. He will give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and him whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on the earth. I have accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me with your own self, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. I revealed your name to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you have given them to me. They have kept your word. Now they have known that all things, whatever you have given me, are from you. For the words which you have given me, I have given to them. And they received them, and knew for sure that I came forth from you. And they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I don't pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have given me, I have kept. None of them is lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and I say these things in the world, that they may have my joy made full on themselves. I have given them your word. The world hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that you would take them from the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, even so I have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Not for these only do I pray but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfected into one, that the world may know that you sent me and love me, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world hasn't known you, but I knew you, and these knew that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Yeshua, that we can pray that same prayer together that you prayed for us almost 2,000 years ago. The fourth cup is a very simple cup. It's the cup of praise. So you can all take your picture and pass it around the table. This in Hebrew is called the uh, Hallel. You may recognize that in the phrase Hallel, Uyah, Hallelujah. So Hallel is praise. And isn't it interesting that in the book of Matthew it says that after their Seder they sang a hymn. And then they went out to the garden. Well, in the Hebrew it says they sang a Hallel. That's the uh, idea behind that. And uh, actually traditionally Jewish people would sing Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. We're not going to sing all those uh, this evening, though. I'm not sure if you would want to sing all those in Hebrew with me. Um, what I thought would be cool is once we all have our glasses poured, if I could just have one person volunteer to just pray a prayer of praise to the Father for some of the things that we've covered tonight. And that will be our halal, our praise. Amen. Praise you, Father. So with that, let's drink the cup of praise together. Now, in Jewish tradition, based on Scripture, before the Messiah comes, somebody else is going to come to prepare the way. Who's that going to be? Elijah. That's right, Elijah the prophet. So, because the Seder isn't only looking back to the past, but it's looking ahead to the future, to the coming of Messiah or as we know, the return of Messiah, there's a fifth cup that Jewish people do called the cup of Elijah. And we're going to do that because for those of us who believe in Yeshua, it has a special layer of meaning that it doesn't even have for your uh, average Jewish person. And uh, for that reason, we could call this cup not only the cup of Elijah, but the cup of restoration. And here's why. It's very simple. Matthew 17:11 it says, Yeshua answered them, Elijah indeed comes first and will restore all things. What that tells us is what Elijah did to prepare the people of Israel for Messiah's first coming, Elijah is going to do again to prepare the body of Christ for his second coming. And uh, there's going to be a restoration that takes place. So any area where we as the body of Christ, we have, we have uh, lost something. We've lost biblical doctrine, or we've lost the experience of the Holy Spirit, or we've lost the practice by which the early believers expressed their faith. To the degree that we've lost that stuff, this Elijah agency is going to happen before Christ returns, and it's going to be restored. So that's why for us as believers in Messiah, the cup of restoration has added meaning. Now here's something fun. 
In, at, at the traditional Jewish Seder table, an extra place is set for Elijah, just in case he comes. Because tradition says that Elijah is going to come at Passover. <laughs> so uh, we have a cup, uh, the place set right here, for Elijah. And it looks like he didn't come this year. But we anticipate the coming of Elijah because we anticipate the coming of our master. So here's, here's something fun. In the Jewish tradition, all the kids run to the door and they check, just in case Elijah's coming. We want to give him one last chance. And they give him a little call. So um, all of the kids and whoever else wants to, we're going to go to the door and we're just going to go look outside. So you have to come with me. And this doesn't just have to be if you're a kid. It can be whoever wants to come. What? Oh, okay, good. So let's go check for Elijah. And we'll call for him also. There. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? That's awesome. Okay, do we see him here? I don't see Elijah, but we'll call for him. Elijah! Elijah, we need you to come soon so Yeshua can come. Elijah! Okay, well... <laughs> yeah, well, we'll leave the door unlocked in case he wants to come a little bit later, hey? Oh. We didn't see Elijah. But we did call for him and we told him that we want him to come soon because we want our Savior to come back soon. We long to see his face. So, we're going to read one passage from Jeremiah. It's a very short one that has to do with this whole restoration theme. It's about a miraculous event that has begun taking place starting in the late 1800s and continues to happen today. It's the return of the Jewish people to their homeland. That's part of the restoration of all things. That's a big part of the restoration. So let's read this little verse together. Therefore, behold, the days come, says Yahweh, that it shall no more be said, as Yahweh lives, who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as Yahweh lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had driven them. I will bring them again into their land that I gave to their fathers. Amen. So it's saying that, you know that exodus from Egypt? And it was a massive event. It rocked the nations. It was retold however many tens of thousands of time around however many campfires of traders who encountered each other and exchanged news in the deserts. There's going to be something greater that happens. And it is going to dwarf the historical exodus from Egypt. I don't believe we've seen the fullness of that yet. And that's why we end our Seder on that high note. Because the Seder isn't just about your past. It's about the future of the people of God. And that includes each of us. Any final comments or questions before we say next year in Jerusalem? All right, great. Well, let's say that next year in Jerusalem together then. We'll say it in Hebrew and in English. And the cool thing is, you know, on a natural level, yeah, it is really special celebrating Passover in Jerusalem. But on a spiritual level, we also know what New Jerusalem is all about. New Jerusalem comes with Messiah. New Jerusalem is when the people of God are renewed through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So as we say this, remember that. And we'll say, we'll say it through twice so you can get a feel for the Hebrew. Lashana Haba'a be Yerushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem. Lashana Haba'a be Yerushalayim. Next year in Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you. 
and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the Internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would, in turn, support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page, where you can make a one-time donation, or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So, if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free. That way, we'll all be in it together and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us. And you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver. If you're like most people, finances are tight. We understand that. Finances are tight for us too. That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at crownofmessiah.com and thank you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.